are back in the Football Shed, the weekly podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. G'day. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And we're back in our digital shed rather than the real <laughs> shed. Thought you were going somewhere else with that, John. <laughs> we're in the digital shed and we made a load of effort this week to make it sound really good. And it turns out buying things and plugging them in and doing stuff doesn't really work. So hopefully it sounds okay. I think it'll sound all right. Much but harder we... than it looks, plugging microphones into computers, I tell you. Turns out it is. <laughs> um, Jeff, did you bring a drink to get you through your digital shed? Yeah, I'm on the old Gordon's London Dry Gin. Oh, with, back from Cupboard with Gin. A, with a lime. Yeah, there's only that little bit to go, little bit to go. With Just a getting... lime? A bit disappointed no in you. You haven't finished that yet. Well, thanks, Rog. Thanks. I've been I've been trying, but you know, gin is the perfect drink for when things are just a bit solemn. So, <laughs> you know, it makes people cry and get depressed and kill each other with coat hangers. So, <laughs> so I feel like now's a good time to start a murderous coat hanger rampage. <laughs> and, right? Um, are you um, drinking it with tonic or just straight? Yeah, little. I'm running out of tonic, but. <laughs> the worst things have happened. Straight gin's the worst. No, that is the worst. <laughs> um, Jeff, you, uh, Rog, sorry, have you got some uh, wanker beers with us? Oh, I do. Oh, I've got, <laughs> and I've got an exciting story to go with it this week. <clears throat> my, my man on the inside sent me a text message earlier from New Zealand saying that uh, my local bottle shop, Carwin Sellers, was having a New Zealand hazy ipa special oh. so they had a fridge full of hazy ipas and so i just i rushed out and i've stocked up on my delicious new zealand hops the reason why the fridge was full is because no one buys that shit also rosh does it concern you at all that your friend who lives in the new zealand has to tell you about a special at a bottle shop that's 150 meters from your house you're not so far out of touch with the world. You don't even know that that's I happening. don't have social media, so how do I know when they've got a special on? <laughs> I just don't. I need my. I need people to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> from New Zealand. From New Zealand, yeah, what, with, what a, you, with a tin can on a bit of string. What are you drinking, John? Oh, wait yes. a minute. I haven't expe- – hold on. Let me talk about my beer. Oh, I have. This one is called uh, Referendum, and it's delicious because New Zealand are about to have a referendum on – legalizing marijuana or not and they've brewed a special beer um in celebration of that with a little bit of hemp so oh. it's a new zealand hazy ipa with a touch of hemp and it is deli- sounds wanky delicious Can i just touch on that for a sec right so the world's fucked <laughs> sorry i mean <laughs> i mean you know okay i'll elaborate yeah, no, yeah, yeah. like we're, we're, we're in a pretty tough spot as a globe you yeah. know countries are, are battling with quite extreme levels of coronavirus and 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 recession and you're just zealand, trying to bring me down from my no, happy place no i'm just saying that all new zealand have got to give a give a a, a japsy about is whether you can smoke pot or not. I mean, <laughs> that is just so brilliant. If you want to see any any reason why you should have just got on top of this coronavirus like the Kiwis have, it's just because you can, you know, start caring about the important things in life, as in whether you can have a spliff. Yeah, no, it's true. I think that's a very good point. Um, right, let's, uh, every week we do start with a question, but before we do the question, I'm just going to do a bit of admin. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something, you can find us on Facebook, just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe, uh, leave us a review, and of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talk nonsense about football. This is the question. Before we do the question, Roger, just scanned your camera down to your crutch halfway through I was talking then. Oh, so sorry, was... that was my gut, actually, but I was more <laughs> just trying to adjust the angle so that um, <laughs> I can see myself and I'm a little bit repulsed. So I was just trying to, <laughs> trying to adjust this slightly. That was disturbing. Um, so this week's question... What is the lowest number of points that has kept a team in the Premier League ever? And can you name the team and the year? 32. Jeff is right. 34. I was going to say 34. (laughs) 34 is the lowest ever. And can you remember who? Oh, God. Derby? Derby County? Not Derby. No, Derby had the record. They had only had eight points in a season when Derby County got relegated. That was the record yeah. lowest. It Leicester. Not Leicester. West Ham. One word was correct. West Brom. West Brom. Yes. West Brom in 0405. Yeah. Was that By when they Morton. had the um, half the Everton team playing for them? No, no it was it was before when, that. Yeah, they had Sultan Gira and Carnu up front and Odomwangi. Yeah. Yeah, Brian Robson kept them up, but uh, yeah. So basically, Chris, they... Brunt, Chris Brunt was always too good for that side. I think he, he was, yeah, he, was, was a, he was a Cameron Jerome of a player, wasn't he? Chris Brunt. He was. <laughs> no, he I'd say no, no. I think better than Cameron. Cameron Jerome is in that no man's land between Championship and Premier League. Whereas I think Chris Brunt is Premier League standard or was. Oh, if he was, he would have been brought up by a better side because he he was very he was consistently in no man's land. I think maybe he was underachieving to no man's land. But also, Chris Brunt was the best player and captain at a crap team, and he could have gone to a slightly better team, an Everton or a Southampton, and just been rubbish. Rubbish. So he's like, oh, I can just be the main man and the captain and get. But then keep relegated. going up and down. That was when they were yo-yoing back and forth like a yo-yo. And uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> so they, you think they, that... they still are, Jeff? Really, that hasn't changed. Well, yeah, but Chris Brunt's still there, isn't he? <laughs> I think Probably. he's gone. Still taking the corners. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so 34 points kept West Brom up in 0405 as of this morning because Aston Villa beat Arsenal 1 0, which no one saw coming. They're on 34 points. Oh, we should have. It's Arsenal. True. And Watford are on 34 points, having lost 4 0 to Man City. So I think we need to start on Watford, um, partly because. Yes, they choked and um, they lost against Man City this morning, but they choked against West Ham last week when they had a six-pointer and they were 3-0 down at half-time. Then after that game, they sacked Nigel Pearson, which, in my opinion, why on earth are you sacking the manager two games before the end of the season? He knows what his team is. He knows what the players are like. They basically only needed one or two points. If they got one win out of the last two games and now they've lost their manager, they've lost all confidence, they've just got smashed by Man City um, and they go into their last game away at Arsenal having to win. Well, I've got a lot to say on this. Uh, <laughs> have, you, have you heard the rumours before you launch into your rant? I've heard, uh, go on, I've, I've heard it's nonsense, but go on. Well, it may be complete nonsense, but the the rumours going around... I mean, I, when I saw this, when I saw the Pearson thing, I immediately thought, there has to have been an incident. Yeah. There has to have been something. <laughs> something has happened. Something's yeah. happened. He's done something untoward, because otherwise it is one of the most bizarre sackings. Even accounting for uh, the Watford owners, the Pozzo um, 
family um, uh, who who are well known for um their erratic decision making you just think why there's speculation that and and uh, troy deeney i think has come out and and refuted this fairly strongly but that there was at half time in that west ham game that pearson may have got in a scuffle with some of the players or may you know things um might have got a little bit more heated than is okay um now that i i mean that's been refuted right but i just they can say all they like but to me something's happened yeah i tend to agree someone's fallen out with someone and it's gone wrong somewhere but jeff what's your uh, oh, look, uh well firstly um the, the Ponzi's, what they called the Ponzi's, Ponzo. the, pon- Pon- the Ponzo's, what I call them, Pozzo. The, the, the <laughs> manager has been a, a productive lever for them. The, the last six managers have lasted the same amount of games as Mark as, as Nigel Pearson. The longest serving manager they had was Marco Silva, and that was because they were almost bitter and twisted about not letting him go. You remember? You remember all of that? Yeah. So actually, they have more experience in getting a bounce from sacking a manager than most owners they know that actually it works they've had an extended period in the top flight um well they are they are the first club now in premier league history we should say that have sacked or had three permanent managers leave in the same season it's just it's insane don't get me wrong it's insane um and nigel pearson when he took over the club there were nine points adrift nine points off safety and they sack him when they were sitting in 17th in the Premier League. With the best win rate of any Watford manager in Premier League history. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's absolute madness. And Which I, isn't look, great. But... but as I say, they use that as a lever. They have no emotional attachment to their managers whatsoever. They, they, there's, a, there's a separation at Watford. There's a few things here, right? There's a separation at Watford between their scouting staff and their coaching staff. Their coaching staff will come in and come out, and their scouting remains the same. You know that they have um, links with other clubs. Yeah, Udinese. Udinese. Yeah, they have an ownership model that means that players can go between them, which means that essentially all you've got to do as a manager is get a tune out of players. And if they think that the manager is not getting a tune out of the players, that the rest of the infrastructure of the club have said are good players, then it's the manager's fault and not the players' fault, or not the the hierarchy's fault who chooses the players. So they just keep swapping and changing managers going, well, who who's going to be the man that comes in and, and makes these players do a better job? There's also the, um, the safety clause in Nigel Pearson's contract. So Nigel Pearson was due a big, hefty sum of money if he kept them safe. Oh, really? A big chunk. And he already has the lawyers in this week saying that if they stay up, he's still owed that money. But contractually, he got the sack before the end of the season. So even if they stay up, he's not owed any any of thing that's in his contract. But, so but that, he'll get paid out for his contract. Surely was that only until the end of the season? Oh, Watford have done this before. Don't don't think that they gave him a yeah. five year deal and they're going to give yeah. him millions, millions and millions <laughs> of pounds. So <laughs> do you think that's what it is? Because I mean, even allowing for your, you know, them using it as a as a lever and uh, and you know, I mean, when he came in. You know, there was new, ma- new manager bounce, and we saw that. Like I, I, I have very, for some reason I have very vivid memories. But it was when I was in the UK, and they beat. Um, it was the Man Man City game. They beat. Is that right? They beat Man City or Arsenal? I they can't, beat I can't, Liverpool. I, they no, beat no, Liverpool, no, not Liverpool. When he first came in, and they went on a good run, because then the Liverpool game was like the only game they've won in ten since then. Mm. So they had that good run. Then things went bad. Then they beat Liverpool to stop Liverpool getting the record. And then since we've come back from the shutdown, things have been abysmal. 
Um, but I just, Jeff, I mean, even allowing for that, it doesn't make sense when you've only got two games to go. There's not Hayden Mullins is not going to suddenly no, get a new manager I, bounce. I, I agree with you, Raj, but, but the, um, the, there's a there's a bigger picture here. Don't get me wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I agree with you. But so you think they're happy to go down? No, no, absolutely not. They are one of the few clubs in the Premier League that don't have relegation clauses in contracts. They're, they're one of the ones that is completely mullered if they go down. And because of that, the when I say they're used to using changing manager as a lever in their hierarchy, this is the only lever they have left when they go, we have two games, we need to get one point. What are we going to do? They go, well, this manager is only 1-1 in 10 games. Okay, get rid of him because this is the lever we can use because if we go down, we're in a real tough spot. I think they actually looked at it and thought there is no way that Aston Villa are going to beat Arsenal. And they thought, we're going to be three points clear with one game to go and we'll just need a point against Arsenal or actually probably um, Bournemouth and Aston Villa will lose their last games when they play Villa play West Ham, Bournemouth play Everton. I think they thought they were safe. I thought they were just like, oh, we're actually done and we can fuck him off, maybe avoid a bonus. Save your bonus, yeah. Um, and also maybe they didn't ever get on at all through the whole process, but they were like, let's just get rid of him now and we're going to be safe. Do you remember 10 sheds ago? Oh, before the restart, I'm going to say 10 sheds ago. It might have been 12 sheds ago. A few sheds ago in double <laughs> digits. Do you remember um, when I was, we were making predictions mm-hmm. in, the, in the predictions game? And I said, you know, who's going to, what's going to happen next year? Manager of the year? No, Claudio I don't remember. Ranlieri. Oh, yes, I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> My Claudio Ranieri prediction is already half coming true. I said, Nigel Pearson's going to be sacked. He's going to keep him up. He's going to get sacked in the summer. Claudio Ranieri is going to come in champions. <laughs> what for the champions next year? I, I, so I, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be fascinated to know, right? Because I, I, I mean, I, it could be. Who knows, right? I, I maybe there is something in this. I think their their approach is um, shady enough that this could all be a calculated move that's gone a bit wrong. But I equally, I I just I just find that hard to believe. I still I feel like something must have happened to um, to to trigger this. And imagine imagine betting your life on Arsenal, which is what they've done. Like betting yeah. your your Premier League safety. <laughs> on the most oh. flaky team in the history of the Premier League. Like, what are they thinking? I just don't but think, I'm... Rog, that, that you make such a knee-jerk reaction after a, a scuffle. Uh, yeah. I, that, that doesn't add up to me, especially these are grown-ups. Yeah, you can have a scuffle. And actually, a manager can lead a team in any way. You don't, you don't hire Nigel Pearson. David Beckham expect... left Man United because um, he got hit in the face with a football boot. At the end of the season. He didn't yeah. get sacked on the spot, never to play for Manchester United again. No, he left six months later. But on Watford, so Watford had two games since we've last recorded. The first of which was a huge game against West Ham, which they were 3-0 down at half-time and ended up losing 3-1, which has made West Ham practically safe. I know, Rod, you have a mathematical theory that West Ham can still go down. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm ready for this. Rog, how can West Ham still get relegated? Well, uh, they play Watford, um, no, sorry, Villa in the final game of the season. Yep. Um, so they obviously need to lose to Aston Villa if they get a point they're safe but if they lose to Aston Villa and Watford win by enough which is in terms of 14 goal swing or Bournemouth also win 
by enough, we should say. No, Bournemouth are only 31 points. They got they can't. Oh no, sorry, there. Bournemouth are gone. All right, so sorry. Um, it requires them to lose. They need to lose. It's not 14 goals, is it? It is 14 goals. I think it's us. about eight. No, no so thir- 13 goals. Okay, well there. So it's like a four nil and a and a seven <laughs> and a nine nil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Well, Watford have lost Man-, Man City by a combined twelve nil this season. I think so. Um, not gonna happen, Roger. But anyway, so Watford lost that game to West Ham. Um, but then also, I think the the thing that I think's getting under talks about is that Watford played Man City this morning and lost four nil. If they had lost one nil or two nil. Their goal difference would be minus twenty five, minus twenty four. They wouldn't Makes a be huge in, difference. Yeah. Wouldn't be in the relegation zone. Being in the relegation zone before the last game is a huge amount of pressure, and they wouldn't have been. And also, it's almost like an extra point because if they have the same result as Villa in their last game, now they both draw, or whatever, they're down. So I think it's being underplayed how meek they were this morning in being four 0 I don't like Man City are amazing, but. Do anything you can to lose only one nil. Mm. Well, I, 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 right. I do. I mean, and I think this has been going since we came back from COVID. They're they're one of these teams, and it's just been, you know, very very limp. It's been like a wet flannel for the whole time, and they just turn up and lose. And you sort of, I'm surprised just just because they've got Troy Deeney in the team. And I sort of mm. thought, he'd, you know, him on his own would be able to get them going. But I I feel like. I agree with you, but also it's a little bit harsh because if there is one team that don't give a shit about who they're playing, what the context is, they're just going to go out and do their mechanical thing and, you know, play football and cut back, cut back, cut back. (laughs) It it is the city machine and they are a very good football team. So I kind of feel like, um, and, and Hayden Mullins, came out and said this after the game. So there's it, been a bit of talk about it because Ben Foster, who, by the way, made a couple of... It felt really great. bad for him. He was great and made a couple of absolutely magnificent saves that both resulted in a goal immediately afterwards. It's so, yeah. so harsh. But it's, so he came out after the game and was devastated. Um, I think obviously aware of the, you know, the, the connotations. But Mullins came out and said, it's Man City you know, they do this to teams. Yeah. And I, I I do think there is an element of this. And I think the bigger thing, as you said, was, you know, like the West Ham game. And it, it was, you know, it was leading. Don't leave it to your last two games when you've got to play Man City and Arsenal. Yeah. West so, Ham have started playing exactly like a David Moyes side. Mm. Have, yeah. you, have, you, have you noticed that they, they've slowly gone from Solid. this, this team that... But at the beginning of this season... Sorry, I know we'll get to one of the bottom four race, but bottom four race. <laughs> 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 sorry. <laughs> we'll get more on that race for the bottom four. Um, but West Ham went from this season, the beginning the beginning of the season with kind of a, a front dynamic diamond that were all, you know, cutting inside, cutting outside, overlapping. They've now gone to a like a set, Piece, industrious masterclass of, of of real nondescript won't write home to your nan football, yeah. but it wins games, and that's, that's and they're the safe thing. now. That's why David Moyes splits opinion because he'll give you that, and it's it'll win games, but you'll always think that you could probably do better. Before we um, um, go on to the other relegation teams, just on an Arsenal note, well, we're, we're going probably, to well, 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 talk about Arsenal. Yeah, or not? We're going to go to Aston Villa against Arsenal right now. Oh, there you go. Because Aston Villa beat Arsenal 1-0 this morning. Um, which which no we one's... were all pretty shocked about. Let's not. Yeah. 
Arsenal around the bush. this week have beaten Man City in the FA Cup semi final, which we'll talk about in a minute. They've beaten Liverpool, um, who are champions of the world, Europe, and England. But then this morning they play Aston Villa and they lose one nil. <laughs> so it's so Arsenal. Oh, As Phil, so Phil on Arsenal. Facebook said, that is the very Arsenal performance. It's such an Arsenal performance. Um, it is, and it's. Not, but let's not berate Arsenal right now because we've got plenty of time to do that. But now Villa have won that game. Massive for them. It's so huge, and they were good this morning. I watched them, and they looked comfortable one 0 They looked good like finished they were by uh, Trezeguet. Well, and they looked solid, stop, which is stop, like Rog. they haven't looked solid all year. Was it a good finish by Trezeguet? Yeah, I yeah, thought it was a good finish. Cool. No, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not convinced. What? Well, okay, it was okay. It was a great finish. <laughs> it was a good finish, but he definitely didn't mean to do what he did. He was definitely aiming to go across the keeper, top corner. No. Oh, yeah, no, and he, I agree. Sw- he swung his leg at it and it went near post. And he, he didn't even went, know it went near post. He went hit and hope, whack it as hard as I can. But and it oh, happened to no, fly I, I think you're doing him a bit of a disservice here. I thought it was a good, it was a good finish. No, exactly the, the, yeah, don't get me wrong. It was a good finish. And in isolation, it was a good finish. But when you see his body shape and you watch him to go up to that volley, he was going across the goalkeeper. And the fact is, he kind of spooned it and it was perfect. But and it was he, a great finish. He, he might be the one that keeps them up because he's now scored three goals um, in the last, last, three. last three. And, you know, from somewhere, that's... I mean, and when you when you're scraping for survival, that's what you need. You just need someone to. They haven't got anyone scoring goals. Um, you know, if, if anything, Grealish has gone off the boil a little bit, I think. And maybe who can blame him? Because there's so much pressure on his on his shoulders to be the the one player to do something to keep them up. But I think the other things, the not conceding a goal, is they've struggled with that all year. Yeah. I've, and I've, I've also get... been annoyed by Grealish. Sorry, <laughs> the the interview that Grealish gave after this game when they said, oh, they were talking about his future and he said, you know, generic, we'll talk about it at the end of the season, just concentrating on Aston Villa. He let something slip in his, it was a bit Freudian, you know, he just went, I just really want to keep Aston Villa up before we talk about it. Yeah. And like, listen to those words, I just want to keep Aston Villa up. He, The way he thinks about himself in that is that he has bought into the hype and him buying into the hype has coincided with his downturn of form. He thinks that he is Aston Villa and when Aston Villa stay up, it is because of him. He has dragged him kicking and screaming. I don't know that much. I think that he, his form has fallen off a little bit since the restart, but I think that's partly down to him trying too hard. And he's also come out and said... He doesn't feel very fit at the moment. He feels like he's struggling a bit. He's exhausted. It's been a long season. And yes, there's been a gap in the middle. Um, but I think he drags so much of that team with him that I think he's weighed down a bit. But I do think his comments are for the game. Because also, this game will probably be his last ever game at Villa Park. He's been at Aston Villa since he's eight years old. He's captain of the club. He's a fan. And there was no fans there for him. And so he's got to be really careful not to just to go, oh, yeah, this is it. I'm out the door. But oh, you think he's gone, do you? Oh, yeah, 100%. I think whatever happens to Villa, if he if they stay up, get relegated, Jack Grealish is gone. And that's why he said in his comments this morning, oh, yeah, I'm just worrying about keeping them up because he knows that if he says anything more than that, then he's going to get found out. So who do you think is going to stay up then? Well, so before well before we answer that, Jeff, we should mention Bournemouth. So Bournemouth played well against Man City. Hold on, lost. I didn't get to say my Arsenal thing, which well, I just you do. Walked out, no, because you walked out the room, Lodge, and got a beer, so you missed out 
on what Th- you're going to see. First time in 25 <laughs> years that they're going to finish outside the top six. Oh, good one. Whoa. Which is actually, I was, that's quite impressive. Well, it's not impressive, is it? It's the opposite of impressive. <laughs> it's quite shit. But, <laughs> but, well, now it's shit. But yeah, the, the, I mean, more that they've been in top six for 25 years. That's a long time. Had you reeled this stat off at the end of last season and went, this is their 25th year in the top six, I'd have been impressed. <laughs> Before the fuck up. They can't finish higher than eighth, which is pretty shit. I got a um, I got a text from a mate of mine who lives in, lives in America. He's a Southampton fan this morning, and it just said, "Oh, Jeff, the battle for eleventh and twelfth is heating up nicely." <laughs> <laughs> All to play for. Um, yeah. Bournemouth, yeah, so Bournemouth, John. yes, Bournemouth played well against Man City, um, but did lose. And then they played Southampton and just were meek. They rolled over. They didn't. They were at home and they're playing against a team that, as Jeff just said, are in the race for 11th, but nothing else. Um, Southam- <clears throat> excuse me, Southampton shouldn't have had anything to play for. So Bournemouth should have come out all guns blazing and got that game. They lost 2-0 at home, Southampton. Danny Ings scored another one to goal. They did, right at the end, have the disallowed goal for offside. So Callum Wilson was given offside for VAR, which it was offside and heartbreaking. But anyway, on board, I have definitely offside though that one. We should yeah, say, yeah, like, it's it was, correct. That, that, that was one of the ones where you're like, that's why we have VAR. But Jeff, to your question, who's going to stay up and who's going to go down? I have a theory that Bournemouth may still actually stay up. I agree. I was going to say Bournemouth. So Bournemouth are three points behind Villa and Watford. They're on the same goal difference as Watford. One worse than Aston Villa. They play Everton away from home. Everton have only the race for 11th to go for. On the um, beach. On the beach. Don't care. If Bournemouth win that, Villa play West Ham and Watford play Arsenal. They both lose those games and Bournemouth win. They're up. And I can see that happening yeah, very same. easily. I actually you, think you would hate because it's... Um, Eddie. Crap how. But, but do you know what? I, I, I would give them a little bit of credit for that because... I, I, I was really surprised in the Southampton game because I, I watched the Bournemouth-Man City game. Bournemouth mm. were really good. They're that really is the good. best I've seen them play for a long, long time. And they, yeah. you know, they really, really gave Man City a game. That was, I, I thought, you know, we we always talk about, you know, losing valiantly and, you know, all those cliches and what have you. And, and often it's bullshit but I, I thought in that game that they played really well and then I was so I was really surprised like wow maybe they have got something but then I think that's a bit of an indictment on Eddie Howe and that team that they play like that and then for you know it's a South Coast derby yes it's <clears> not the it's not the fiercest of derbies in world football but it is um, a derby it's a local derby at least. it's a local yeah. derby and to, to, to just completely not turn up in that game after playing really well I just found bizarre very few things on the south coast of England are the fiercest of anything that's very true, <laughs> that's very true. Um, Danny I, Ings I, is quite I, fierce I, at the moment I love Danny Ings I've got to say yeah. on record I just think he's bloody great proper um, striker so the you know I, I feel like your theory on Bournemouth is absolutely right because what's happened with Watford and Villa right now is, is the last week's worth of games 
have been like a cup final. You know, they've given everything. And you know what it's like to go again, right? To, to go again next week with that much more pressure and to be thinking about it and thinking about it. And Bournemouth actually have got a bit of a free hit. They've just got to go out against yep. a team that's on the beach and do everything they possibly can. They know it's out of their hands. All they got to do is just try their best. And there's something liberating about trying your best, but the worst is, ah, oh, it's all right, because, you know, you knew that was going to happen. Whereas the, whereas the other two sides, for Aston Villa to go again after beating Arsenal was going to be complex for them. And um, I'm not sure they've got it in them. Yeah, I do think that... Those two sides have been bottlers all year. I think the Villa win this morning is almost too good. I know it sounds stupid. But I think there may be a part of them that thinks, oh, we're going to do this now. And as soon as that enters your brain, God. you're screwed. Yeah. So I, my so to answer your question, Jeff, my prediction is that, oh, no, I don't know. But it's and fascinating, right? Like this is this is great yeah. because it, it, we know that it is absolutely going down to the wire. It's great. Yeah. All at 1 a.m. on Monday morning. And I'm kind of fascinated because this is, you know, normally when you have these events in football, there's obviously huge crowds watching the game and you have that fascinating thing of you can see the buzz going around the crowd of, you know, people have got the radios to their ears. And I'm kind of, it's a bit morbid, like I'm morbidly fascinated by this happening with nobody there. Like with this, you know, this drama and it, and it being, you know, right down to the wire and there's nobody in the grounds. And if you can hear, because you can hear everything in the crowd, there'll probably just be one bloke going, Bournemouth won, everything yeah. nil. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone will just, okay, thanks, carry on. Um, Jeff, who's your prediction for staying up then? I think Bournemouth too. And I feel sorry for Aston Villa, but, you know, enjoy your time in the sunshine this week. You deserve it. Beating Arsenal was a great result. Arsenal was shit. Trezeguet scored off the side of his foot that he wasn't expecting and enjoy it. Um, if you do stay up, that is a great result that would have done it. Watford, nine points adrift, even being in this conversation and not being dead and buried. Again, I think that should be something to be proud of. But there are some exceptionally good footballers that play at Watford. And for you to be relegated, you should hang your heads in shame. I, and I, I think that from the Decores, the Dilafeus, Troy Deanies, it's just not good enough. Saar is an amazing player. We argue about him all the time, John, on the right wing. He's phenomenal. <laughs> He's they're, they're too good to go down as individuals, but as a team, there's no coherence. And it's probably because there's, as I said before, there's no link between the, the purchasing department and the managerial department. And because of that, uh, you know, when, some, when a team's too good to go down, they probably deserve it. Right. But you're, you're both forgetting one thing. Mm-hmm. Mathematically, West Ham could go down. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who do Watford play on the final day? Arsenal, away from home. Troy Deeney hat trick. Arsenal will, you know, will roll over. Watford stay up. I just think Arsenal might be a bit bruised after this morning, and I think they might. They, I, I, you know, that I'm not the biggest fan of Arteta, but I think they might just turn up and go. Hang on. We've got to do something. But talking of Arsenal... They pulled the plane out on this, this game. Did you see the, um, you know, we love Arteta, but Cronke uh, out? Oh, oh really? But this the is the thing. Like, and there's part of me that empathises with those... Not empathises. Uh, I understand where they're coming from, those Arsenal fans, because we have been complaining about Arsenal managers kind of having a soft underbelly. Wenger had a soft underbelly, not in a sexy way, <laughs> but just in a, you know... 
just so, old so man anyway. anyway. He was just a bit old man. It was either going to be absolutely perfect or it wasn't going to be good enough. What, Venga's yeah. underbelly? No. <laughs> so I say it's not good enough for us. He's an old man. Come on. Um, and Emery had a soft underbelly, but more toned and European. Yeah. Um, is he European? Where's Emery from? Yeah, no, he's Spanish. Some, Spanish. Yeah. But Jeff. Anyway, I'm not talking French. about that. No, anyway, They're I'm both in Europe. Um, where are you going I, with this? I, what I'm saying is that there's a point where we've got to question the players that have been there a long time. So you know, we we question Arteta, and you, John, you just said you don't think Arteta's good, and that's and this is very Arsenal-y. Well, mm. the, the one thing that's been quite consistent in Arsenal is Arsenal players, way more than Arsenal managers over the last three or four years. So actually, the, there should be a point where we go. Well, these players are flaky. These players need to buck up their ideas. But who signs well, then, the players? Well, wait, wait. So, well, so, not well, Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal, Arteta hasn't been signing these players. We can't blame Arteta for David Luiz being flaky. No, but it's he's the club. There, he's only been there six months. Um, but, also, but Arsenal, so let's go on to the FA Cup semi-finals. Arsenal beat Man City in the FA Cup semi-final 2-0. And Arsenal beat Liverpool, as I said earlier, world champions, European champions, English champions. So that's an Arsenal team that's really good. They're playing really well. Um, apart from this morning, Liverpool I, on the I, I would say Liverpool on the beach, and true. Man City, two individual errors it exposed Guardia. The, that Arsenal game brilliantly exposed Pep's few flaws as a manager. Well, I was going to say, isn't Arteta the perfect person to play against a Pep Guardiola team? Because yeah. he said afterwards, "Is like, oh, just find the play inside, make them play down the middle." where they can't do their cutbacks, they can't do their... And they don't have the space. And they were brilliant at it. And then they won 2-0. And David Luiz was excellent. And Arsenal were in the FA Cup final. I think they deserve to be there. What does that make you think about Arteta, John? Because you think he's a weak coach. And obviously that... I mean, maybe it's not the best example, because if you're going to know how one team plays... It's where you've been working for the last yeah, you're like, you're like, years. You, you know how to piss off your mum, don't you? She might be stoic at work, but when she comes home, you could really get under her skin pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's a very good analogy, Jeff. Um, well, my theory on Arteta is I, I, I don't know if I, like, I think my theory is that I don't know whether he's a good coach or a bad coach. I don't like that everyone's decided he's a brilliant coach because he was Pep's assistant. Yeah. And that doesn't make you a good coach. That just means you followed a guy around who was really good. I do like that he's um, got rid of Ozil and he's got rid of Guendouzi after his fight against Brighton and just said, you're not playing. Uh, if you're not in on board, then get out. don't care. Um, and I like that. Um, I think they're playing okay football and they've obviously had a couple of good results, but they still are so flaky, um, as we saw this morning. The one thing I really wanted to bring up as well is that the goalie, Martinez, who's come in for Leno since he's been injured, has been brilliant. Do you know how long Martinez has been at Arsenal? Long time. Ten years. Wow. He's been there Whoa. since 2010. He's only 27. He's been there since he's 17. And he's never had like a run of games until right now. But he looks brilliant. And he's played for Oxford on loan. He's played for um, Reading on loan. He's gone to random places. But he's, so really he's ventured far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Oxford and Reading. <laughs> it, might, it might be the last we see of um, Aubameyang, um, potentially. 
this could be his swan song. Obviously, he's still. I don't think he signed his contract yet. But I, I think that again, the the Man City game, you know, it it highlights what Aubameyang does. You know, like yeah. he is, he's an, he's a brilliant goal scorer. He's, there's only only Mo Salah's been involved in more goals than Aubameyang since Aubameyang's been at Arsenal. He's. I mean, it's you brilliant. can't you can't say how, whilst we we would perhaps we've all talked about you know, the fact that, you know, they sign Lacazette, they sign Aubameyang, they've signed Pepe. Can they all play together when they all want to come inside? Um, does it all work together? No, but I don't think you can question the signing of Aubameyang because he's, he's brilliant. He, I think he's, 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 he's a yeah. world-class striker. Um, but I just, uh, I'd like him to stay, but if you were him, would you stay at Arsenal? No. Like, I just don't have faith that they're going to, we're talking about, yeah, Liverpool, I don't think are going to drop off next year. Man City are going to come back really hungry next year. I think Man United are really going to kick on next year. We've seen that in the last few weeks. Chelsea have got a lot of improvement. They've shown they're going to go out and buy. Are Arsenal challenging those teams at the moment? I don't think they are. I think they're is, now in that next tier down. He's 31 years old. Like, If he's yeah. going to win anything, you've got to go. And Now's if I was him, I would just go, yeah, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juve, wherever. I'm out of here. See you later. And fair enough. Like, I, and if I was Arteta, I'd let him go. Because why keep a player that's not really sure about whether he wants to be around and wants to be somewhere else? Just get rid of him. You've got enough yeah. long, young players coming through. Sell your best players. That's how you win football games. True, Jeff. <laughs> so in the, FA, in the other FA Cup semi-final... Um, Man United got tonked by Chelsea 3-1. I got up at 3am on Monday morning to watch this and watched Man United change formation, change team, play completely differently to they have in the last six, eight weeks. They've been undefeated in 18 games and were awful. And the goalie was crap. Why? So but why? Why did they do like? Let's. <laughs> we can talk briefly about De Gea, although I don't necessarily agree with all the media focus on this because I thought there was one really, really bad save, but I don't actually think the other two. The other two weren't that. The bad, other so. two were certainly not howlers. Change in formation. He now he did this against Chelsea earlier in the season and it and it worked, but I would just. Is it a bit of a Solskjaer complex and, a, you know, a confidence thing as a manager? Fergie wouldn't do that. Fergie would, he wasn't, the. he was a pragmatist in some ways, but he would always back in his way of playing. Um, you know, I just found it strange that, you know, Man United, as you said, have been in absolutely brilliant form. Surely you just back yourself in and we're better than this team. But he kind of changed to try and match up against Chelsea. And it I, backfired. It did backfire. I genuinely thought, think that he looked at the Chelsea FA Cup semi-final and getting into the top four and went, my priority is getting into the top four. And the players that he played have played every game. They've got a settled team and it's going really well and they've just been flowing and they've just been going, going, going. And with all the sports science you have nowadays, you see whether they're over in the red zone or whatever. And I think... There's a lot of players there that are pushing the red zone and are likely to get injured. And I think he went, is winning the FA Cup the be-all and end-all? No. Is getting to the top four the be-all and end-all? Yes. Did anyone expect them to win the FA Cup? Well, maybe, but it wouldn't be brilliant. 
did anyone expect them to get into the top four come January? No. And it would attract players. It will bring, it will change what next season looks like if Man United are in the top four. So I think he just, he won't ever say it out loud. And I don't think it's been talked about much, but I think he just went, I care more about getting to the top four than the FA Cup final. It is a bit of a risk though. I mean, and and, and also you've got Europa League. Haven't you? Yes. Still in, so there's more games there as well. So I, if you're going Champions League's a priority, then you would perhaps put, when you've got more games coming, you'd put both of those ahead of the, it's hard and it's hard to get a rest because we've talked about it, like how th- thick and fast the game is. exhausting being a fan, Rod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of football but, to watch. But I, I agree with you, John. I, I, I do think you make a very valid point about if you're going to rest players, you're going to change formation, you're going to do something to give yourself some respite, you choose the FA Cup, whether it's the semi-final or not. Um, there's no easy tie in the semi-finals of the Cup this year. As you, you were saying a few weeks back, Rod, you were, you were enjoying the tie because they're, they're all good. They're all good games. Um, I, I, I'm i not sh- sure, at least before this game, I didn't think Oli was that much of a pragmatist, but actually... I feel like he's got more credit in the bank than any other Manchester United manager since Fergie. Which means I think that he he could feel like he could throw away. He didn't throw it away. He thought he'd win. Of course, you're a manager, you play a team, you think he's going to win. But he could be risky in a semi-final. Whereas if that was a Van Gaal or a Moyes or a Mourinho, you could not be risky. Mourinho judged himself on trophies and nothing else. Not style of football or progression. Um, I stumbled across the Manchester United wage list this year. I was just rummaging around some bins outside Old Trafford and I saw some tax returns. Um, From one of your sources. And do you know what I found really interesting is, and I'm not sure if there's a wider correlation between this and not giving a shit, but the the top three earners, do you know who the top three earners are at Man United? De Gea, Sanchez and... Rashford? Rashford, yeah. No, close. De Gea, Sanchez and Pogba. Yeah. Oh, Pogba, of course, yeah. Now, if you were going to talk about the last 18 months' worth of Manchester United, which players have contributed less than those three players? Yeah. De Gea has been a bit out of form <laughs> for 18 months. Pogba, as you right say, Rod, has been in, like, Tahiti, <laughs> just hiding. Um, and Sanchez, what's that? Sanchez gets £505,000 a week. Half yeah. a million pounds Every single week of his life, he plays for Man United, tearing it up in uh, in Italy at the moment. Ten ten assists. Well, I think well, that's that great. Stat. He's still Manchester United's top earner, even though Inter are paying part of the salary. Yeah. So uh, the, I feel like there is there's a point where your motivation as a player, and, and obviously the difference between a hundred thousand pounds a week and half a million pounds a week, it's very small. You just got to wait five more weeks, and you're going to get half a million pounds. I get that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> But there's a point where you reach the top of the tree. Um, and what's interesting is Bruno Fernandes, who you would argue is the most important Manchester United player right now, it's only on 100 grand a week. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a real... I think Oli came in, and the problem that's been in the dressing room beforehand is that there was a real divide, and there was a real um, Pogba, De Gea, Sanchez up here, and then everyone else kind of going... Oh, and Solskjaer's come in and gone, well... We're not paying them that much. Like if these people are on contracts, they're on contracts and we'll sort them out or whatever. But anyone else who come in, there's a level playing field and you've all got to earn your income. You might have massive bonuses. So Bruno Fernandes might be on 100k a week basic, but then might get 150k a week in bonuses for wins or goals. But you've got to earn your income rather than 
we bought Alexis Sanchez out of a panic buy of going, yeah. Man City want him. Oh no, we've got to show some power. Yeah. And then we'll just throw whatever we want at him. And it's and just you, stupid. You can see it because, because the, the the rest of the pile, you know, the, the top is really Marcus Rashford at 200 grand a week. Mm. And Harry Maguire, who is a new signing, is on 185. Um, uh, Fred, 120. Uh, these yeah. are less than you actually expect of a team like Manchester United. Speaking of speaking of Harry Maguire, we were we were ribbing last week, weren't we? Because he was marking his own man for a corner when they conceded. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. But I, I was I'm reading some analysis this week about uh, Van Dyke stats versus Maguire stats. Have you looked into this? No. This is actually something that made me take a step back and go, hmm, mm. interesting. So I'll read out. The blocks, interceptions, tackles won, headed clearances, and errors leading to goals. Yeah. Every one of those stats favours Maguire. Blocks this year, 18 versus 15. Interceptions, 67 versus Van Dyke's 39. Since when? Sorry, Jeff. This season. Tackles won, 21 versus 12. Headed clearances, 92 versus 80. And errors leading to a goal. Maguire's made none. And Van Dyke's made one. I would argue that him marking his own player that that led to a goal. So I, I think the, this article came out prior to to that experience. So that's probably one all. Yeah. It really does make me relook at maybe my predisposed prejudice against Harry Maguire. I'm not sure why I have I, it, he's but... been good, but you can read too much into stats as well. And plus, he doesn't have um, Verge's ponytail and the think, Russia's locks. Yes, no, yes. Well, on that, Maguire doesn't <laughs> on the ponytail? look. No, it doesn't look like a footballer, does he? He looks like a builder. He's like six foot five. Slabhead. Slabhead. He doesn't look <laughs> like, like a modern doesn't European Doesn't look like an athlete. No. Um, so I think that doesn't It doesn't help smell him. nice, does he? Whereas Verge smells No, Verge nice. even smells nice. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, also, do you know on the... Are you that, giving... Oh, sorry, you go, John. I was just going to say, in that, it doesn't talk about positioning at all. And I think Virgil van Dijk wins a lot of the ball just because he reads the game so well, so he happens to be in the right place. And that's something you can't put a stat against. Yeah, and and the, the, his positional sense, I think, is where the whole of the Liverpool team set their starting point from. Yeah. So he's that important. Like, they all go off Big Verge. Don't get me wrong, I think Verge is, Verge is a better player, but I probably underestimated the impact that Harry Maguire has had since he settled into the Yeah, I, I, look, I agree with Jeff. I think we should give him some credit. So I think he's been, along with Juan Bissaka, who's just continued to improve, I think Maguire has had an excellent season um, and he's showing that he's a top defender. So you were kind of giving Solskjaer credit there. Is that fair to say, John, in terms of maybe he's got his priorities and he's... And he's oh, uh... no, no. I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think... It's hard to give him credit, isn't it, John? Well, it feels uncomfortable. Well, I was going to give him some credit. So here's the thing. I, okay, I, I, I've So I've watched a little bit of Man United recently. And one thing that I've... They've been brilliant intri- recently, but I think the, the thing I struggle with is the FA Cup semi-final... We were firing and just play the same team and see what happens. It's definitely so a I, risk. I, can understand I, his logic. I agree with it because you stop you. It's not just about a pragmatic decision about resting your players because it's also you. You can stop the momentum. Yes, and momentum mm. is a big thing in in sport. But I one player that's really interested me lately in a lot of the Man United football I've watched is Marshall. Now all of a sudden he has, he looks angry. 
and hungry. He got subbed off the other day, and the camera kept going to him because he just looked so angry Who and was sulky. Because your voice cut out for three seconds just as you said the name. Oh, sorry, Martial. Martial, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he he got he got subbed off, and he I can't remember what the game was, but he just looked. They kept you know uh, panning the camera to him on the bench, just looked really unhappy and angry. But he wants to score goals. Mm. Like all of a sudden, he looks like an absolutely driven goal scorer which i never thought i'd see martial like that and uh, and it and it intrigued me enough to go and do a bit of research to see is there anything that's changed about martial and i didn't realize this but his solskjaer changed his number so when he number nine yeah when he originally came into man united he was number nine and then Mourinho took it off him he gave it to zlatan gave it to zlatan and martial i think became number 11 or whatever And then Solskjaer came in and and, and said to Martial, you know, if you want this back, you know, you can earn it and you can have the the number nine back. And I just feel like, yeah, maybe, you know, you give him too much credit to give that all to Solskjaer. But I just, I look at Martial at the moment and he looks like he just, all he wants to do is score goals. And he's pissed off if someone doesn't pass to him if he's open to score a goal. You know, he's pissed off if he misses a chance, if he gets taken off and he thinks he can score more goals. And I think that is, to see a player like Martial be that hungry, I think you have to give some credit to the manager. Do you know, yeah, it's just like um, when when Gary Barlow left take that <laughs> and, and suddenly, God. you know... The, the drive, he was such a good musician then. He was a songwriter. He was on his own. You're like, oh, he's, he's the gifted one, isn't it? It's not it's not Robbie. It's not Robbie at all. It's Gary. It's Gary Barlow. He's, he's the talent. Listen to, listen to the singles. I mean, he's got it. He's got it, this guy. And you can see the drive. Life is a roller coaster. <laughs> but that was, a, that was just a classic. A classic. That was Boyzone, wasn't hey, it? Hey, baby. You know? No, yeah, like, he one. really, like, he hit a nerve then. He, he was coming into his own. It's just like Martial. So moving on from Martial, so we've we've gone on a bit. So in time consciousness, any what other Premier League teams do you want to talk about? Like Roger, you want to talk, talk about Spurs, Leicester, the Spurs, Leicester game. I want to talk about Spurs, but not talk about them. All I want to say, they beat Leicester on paper, perhaps good result, one three nil. Spurs had twenty nine point five possession for the duration of that game, which is their lowest in a Premier League game. Oh, in, Premier, in, in their history, Screw in their Premier you, League Jose. history, I just think that's grim. You know, you look at it and you're like, "Oh, great! You know, good result, solid three 0 against Leicester." It's not like again and they they created very little. They only had three shots on target in that game, and they got just, three goals. And they were at home. But you know, the difference between a team like Aston Villa and a team like Spurs is there was a very similar chance. You. you you might have seen it from Grealish played through the striker up front for Aston Villa today. I can't remember his name. Um, and he played so across. He um, shot the ball to the opposing bottom corner of yeah. the goal. It went wide. Yeah. That is exactly the goal that Harry Kane scored. Oh, uh, yeah. No, the first yeah. game. Kelvin Davis, yes. Yeah, yeah in, their, in their counter-attack. And I, just, I saw that. I was like, that is a carbon copy move. But the difference between having Harry Kane and someone else. So Spurs can have three shots on target and score three goals if you've got Harry Kane up front. Being... He is very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he is back and looking very good, but it's slightly depressing. On Leicester... he never he never looks good, John. He plays no. well. No, that's true. <laughs> it's a sh- and you know I think the less that results big, and I mean it was slightly interesting in that you know our Leicester are one trick pony in terms of when they 
can't play on the counter-attack, particularly, you know, when they lose, have lost their width in terms of Pereira. And we know that Chilwell has also um, mm. it's been out last couple of games out for the season. And now I really worry for, um, you know, the game against United because I think that you'll win your game in hand. And so all the pressure is going to be on Leicester to come out and play um, on the final day. Which... Yeah, so on that, so Man United play West Ham first, like tomorrow morning before this is out, and Liverpool play Chelsea. But basically, it'll mean that Chelsea, Leicester, Man United will be in the running for the top four come the last day of the season. Both and on plus 28 at the moment, goal difference. Exactly the same goal difference. So it's Man United against Leicester and Chelsea against Wolves, who aren't in the running anymore. Um, and Jeff, you wanted to talk about Leicester a bit because you wonder whether Brenda Rogers is a bit of a choker. Um, and to Rogers' point, I think they've had struggled a bit with the lack of squad depth, having lost a few players. But also, I kind of agree on the Rogers thing a little bit that maybe he's a bit of a choker when it matters. Yeah, it might be an easy thing to say, and it might sound like it's just a, a throwaway comment, but there is something really reminiscent about what happened with <laughs> Brendan like Rodgers before. before. Yeah. And, and it's a shame because I feel like he's probably not getting the credit he deserves for going up to Scotland and winning five years in a row. You know? no, monkey um, league. Yeah, but you still take something to win the league four it years in a row. Sorry, it doesn't in Scotland. Anyone can do it. Especially when, especially when Rangers were in, Rangers were in all sorts of strife. So they weren't even there. So if there's no Rangers, then who's your opposition? Yeah, if you're Celtic, Kilmarnock, Crunch. <laughs> the might of Kilmarnock. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I just, uh, you, we we highlighted this earlier in, in the, I'm not going to say the off season, the the, the whatever it's called, the lockdown, break. about about the attitude and seeing the attitude change. And some of the most influential players have come back in poor form. A player who's not is Jamie Vardy. He's been excellent since his City's come back, but Madison has been non-existent. I haven't um, heard his name in any game or any highlights or anything. Like he hasn't done anything. Oh, he's oh. injured, and he's oh, not. That's why. And he's not. He's out for the season. Oh, there you oh, go. That'd be why. Uh, so no, they've had no. They've got no Madison, no Chilwell, no Pereira. They're they're really that's struggling a real on the injury yeah. front. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that they had an eighteen-point buffer. To, within the top four and the fact that they've again they've left it down to the last day of the season I think there's, there's something in that that they've been trying to get it over the line for this long and they've been failing at the time that other teams have really been succeeding I, I just worry about Leicester and then I worry about the effect that will have on their squad if they fail I, I think these are players who have now got used to the idea that they'll be in the Champions League next year Although the other, the other way to look at that, they're going to get into the Europa League, which at the start of the season, if you said to Leicester, you're going to get in the Europa League, that's a win. So the players in that squad are going to play in Europe next year. Yes, they might lose one or two, but I think they'll bring in one or two good ones and maybe they can build on that. Hey, this isn't a foregone conclusion either. You're both talking like it hasn't happened. They, it, Whatever happens tomorrow... Man United is it tomorrow? Man United game? Yeah, yeah, tomorrow morning. You know, whatever happens, barring a United like absolute whitewash, you know, having a massive difference on goal difference, this is going to the final day. Now, Jamie Vardy loves playing Man United, always scores mm. against United. I, I mean, I, I think that there's, you know, yes, logic says Man United, but don't write Leicester off. I think there's still, you know, that it's 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 all to play for on the final day. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do? This... I'm going to write Leicester off. I'm writing Leicester off. I just don't oh, think yeah. they got. Yeah, I don't think they got a chance. Yeah. Do you think you'll win? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with John. I can't believe I'm agreeing with John so much, but there's there's something about habit. And Man United are on a winning habit and Leicester are on a losing habit. And although well, I, I say just, that, but we just, just lost. I'm going to say, we, we just saw the the pragmatist or whatever throw away an FA Cup final to concentrate on the league. And you remember what? Let's, let's hark back to Mourinho's first, Mourinho's stint at Manchester United when he was winning every game 4 0. Remember that? And mm. then he suddenly played, was it Liverpool? Liverpool. Shut. Yeah. Did, did a Mourinho try to shut up? Did a Mourinho. And then United was, could never regain form again. And it was fascinating because we all watched that game and you could see it happening. It was like you could see the beginning of the end in real time. You just yeah. saw it draining out of the out of the players and you were like, oh, this is something. So, so who, who knows whether whether that same effect will have happened from this Man United result of the weekend. We can It'd only hope, really yeah. interesting. <laughs> um, right, we're running out of time. So I'm quickly going to talk about the championship for... Two seconds, because Rog and I are going to record a championship shed special, which I can't say. Shed, shed special. Shed special <laughs> um, in the next few days, and that will be out soon. We'll let you know when it's coming out. But basically, we're going to talk about the championship for a little bit um, and the fact that Leeds have got promoted as champions, which is very exciting. And Bielsa will be in the Premier League, which for me is the most exciting thing of the year so far. Um, but we'll also talk about what happens, who else gets promoted, whether it's Fulham, Brentford or West Brom and who gets relegated. That all happens at 4.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. So by the time this is recorded. So, so one, there's, no, there's no point in us talking about it now because it will have happened. By the no, time but one thing I do want to say in advance of the final lot of games, very yep. briefly, is just an update on Wigan. Which is that, um, so the EFL have come out and confirmed that Wigan will be getting a 12-point penalty after the final game of the season. Wow. However, Wigan's appeal hearing is not set until the 31st of July. So there will be results that happen tomorrow, but we will not actually have certainty on who is going down from the championship, whatever happens. Oh, if, if we're going to involved until the results of their appeal. Now, also, Sheffield Wednesday um, are, have been, they, they've got some financial irregularities as well. I can't remember the exact details, but they're facing a 21-point deduction. Again, the results of that are not finalised yet. 21 points. Oh, well. So mess. they could also be involved. Now, I'm like, if you are the EFL surely, surely you have to do whatever you can, sort this out before the final day of the year. Yeah. Yeah, but these... And they're, they're also, they're because the... also we're going to appealing um, going into administration, which going into administration means your business is in administration. So you can't really appeal that that's what's happened. But they're appealing it on the stand that they weren't... The EFL allowed the owner to come in. Yeah who wasn't fit and proper, who then put them in administration within a week of being coming the owner. So it's the EFL's fault that they're in administration, so they shouldn't lose their points. It's a clusterfuck of a mess. And, 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 and Neil Warnock, and I, don't, I mean, I'm not necessarily one to agree with Neil Warnock, but he's been quite vocal in terms of saying cause he, he's managing Middlesbrough at the moment. As for you know, free, and, by the way, for free. And, and uh, you know, he, he's been quite vocal in saying that the clubs down there fighting for relegation just want certainty going into the final day because it it has an impact on your performance as a player. 100%. If you don't know, having that uncertainty, you know, over you. And so I just, I 
I think this has got a bit to run, whatever yeah. happens. Like if another club goes down, they might appeal the fact that a decision hadn't been made and it affected their performance. That's why they've gone down. We might have to do two specials, Rog. <laughs> <Maybe. will> <laughs> um, let's move on to side stories. Has anyone got any side stories there? Jeff's got nothing. He's shaking his head. My first one was uh, Jude Bellingham, which oh, on the championship yes. we have spoken about on here before. But he has moved to Dortmund for twenty-two and a half million pounds. I think another fucking Dortmund bargain. Yeah, he's from Birmingham City. Uh, Seventeen now, defensive midfielder who's been brilliant in the championship all season. Um, and yeah, we started talking about it at the start of the year. I'm going to give Rog the credit, but I think it was all of us. Um, Scored on his debut, uh, you know, youngest player in Birmingham's history. Like, just, I think it's a smart signing. But he also, he went to Man United um, and was taking the tour around and they rolled out Fergie and Fergie met his family and they were like, yeah, come and play for us. And he's still gone to Dortmund, which one, Man United lost... Haaland to Dortmund and now they've lost Bellingham to Dortmund but I think it's also a sign of young English players or young European players Haaland's case going you know what I'm going to get games at this team and I'm going to be the next Jadon Sancho and I'm going to be the next Christian Pulisic and I'm going to become a superstar Um, so good on him it it, it made me excited about a change in English football Mm. in terms of players now having the confidence to go and do this and, 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 and go overseas rather than, you know, seeing the bright lights of, of Man United and that being the only option. And I think you also go, well, credit to Dortmund, you know, in yeah. terms of they, they've been at the vanguard of this movement of in terms of looking outside the established, you know, transfer processes out there and, and trying to think a bit differently and, you know, going after to young English players and, and um, they've got some success from it. And I know I think this is another smart move because I just think it's not—it's not just that he's a good player. I just, from what I've seen of him, he is—he's very smart and he has a lot of desire to achieve. So I, I, I you know, I think we'll see a lot of this kid. He's, a, he's a wonder—he's a wonder kid. I, I think it's absolutely right that um, players look outside of England to get a chance. And and we, we as if I'm going to represent English football teams here, only got ourselves to blame for not playing young English players. You'd rather get an 18-year-old French kid than, they, than let someone who's in your academy have a, have a debut. And even if that's moving away from being the reality, that's the perception. And for to watch over the last three or four years, more than that, um, teams in Germany play these these young English kids. I think they're going, well, you know, okay, it's set up there. It's perfect. Yeah. I've, I've got Jaden Sancho. He's going to help me. Pulisic. Exactly. Yeah. And... Uh... It's bloody great for England, I reckon. Um, my other, staying in Germany, my other side story was Andre Schur, 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 who played for um, Fulham and Dortmund. He was played, for Dortmund. played for Chelsea. Played for Chelsea. Um, and was at Dortmund right now. He's just retired. Age 29, yeah. 29 years old. Won the World Cup. He's just like, I've had enough. And I've kind of got a lot of respect for that. Rather than sticking around and getting paid a huge amount in the A-League, for example, here in Australia as a 34-year-old and just floating about going, yeah, I'll take the money. He's gone, you know what? I don't care about football anymore. I'm done. See you later. So, good on him. Um, uh, he's, he's he's not quite as in the Asso Okoto type mould, though, is he? No, he's not a DJ. 
He's not quick to be a DJ. No, he's quick to just do other things. Yeah. Oh, he might um, be a DJ. Who knows? Shout out to Santi Carzola. So he's mm. been, been involved in more goals than any midfielder in La Liga since the start of last season. Uh, so it's 33, 15 goals and 18 assists. He's looks like he's about to... Um, Just played his last game. Played his last game and is heading to Qatar or wherever for his... Um, last bit of money but I just think after so many years of you know looking good at Arsenal and then having you know all those years of of terrible injury and looking like he's never going to play again going back to his hometown club in in Spain um and suddenly uh how is 38 I think is that yeah he's pretty old um and and, you know one leg and he got one leg but playing brilliantly I I just think you know hats off to him and you kind of I don't know something about Maybe it's because we're old, but I kind of love that when a player gets a new lease of life oh, so yeah. late late in their career. Um, but yeah, so I, I think he was a he was a very good player at Arsenal. I have one last one. Um, the Cowley brothers have been fired by Huddersfield, and the reason I bring it up is because I really rate the Cowley brothers, um, and I was gutted that they, they came in to keep Huddersfield in the Championship, then they get fired, um, even though they're keeping them up. So I think that's a bit of a shame, but they could end up at Bristol City, Rog, and they could be your uh, manager soon, and they'll get you promoted to Premier League. I'm sure, you're, I'm sure you'll talk about this tomorrow on the Championship Update, but I hear John Terry is in the mix, Roger. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let's move on. Big JT. Moving big on. balls. Old big balls. End game time. So, uh, Jeff, you are games master this week. Now, just a side point. So, Rog is on 14 points. I'm on 12. Jeff's on 11. We've got this week and next week left, and that's it. So that means Rogers won. However, the week after that, we have the Shed Awards, and we find out who's the Shedder of the Year. And in the Shedder of the Year, we get points for our predictions, points for our Shed Awards, which we'll work out in the next couple of weeks, and then also points for the end game. Now, there's three points for the winner, two points for second, and one points for last. So, Jeff, you and I still have stuff to play for. So if I win tonight, it means I'm guaranteed my second place. If Rog wins, then it's all to go for next week. So uh, it's a big end game. Well, in that case, it's a, it, this is a big game. I'm uh, motivated now, John, <laughs> after that, after your pet talk. <laughs> right. I, I've gone strategic, knowing Ooh. that Roger is followed by a dark cloud circa 2008 2013. Ooh, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the best then either. <laughs> gone, for, gone for a game in 2010. Lee Sharp. <laughs> okay, now this week, Cedric. this week, Newcastle United play Liverpool. So I've gone for 2010, Newcastle United at St James's Park against Liverpool. Newcastle won 3 1. We are looking at Alan Pardew's debut. Debut? <laughs> Alan Pardew's first game in charge against Roy Hodgson's Liverpool. Oh, Hodgson. Sorry, Newcastle 3. Liverpool 1. 2010. 2010. Now, again, Alan Pardew had a pretty good Newcastle side, um, but did he did he have it? Did he inherit it? Did he build it? Roy Hodgson had a very interesting Liverpool side, which didn't last very long. Okay. Um, John, you lost last week. No, Rog, you lost last week, so you go first this week. Uh, it's a difficult one. Goodbye. Oh, good show. No. <laughs> what? Oh, Roger. 
You got, life, you, got, you got two lives. No, yeah, yeah, yeah 100% he was in the Pardew French Revolution. No, but Would this you? is Pardew's first game. He it's brings Kabayi in. Does he? Yeah. yeah. Steven Gerrard. Go for simple. Oh, don't, don't, don't say it's wrong. Gerrard did not play in this game. What? Steven Gerrard didn't play? No. Okay, so we've Ge- both lost a life. Jamie yeah. Carragher. Oh, no! <laughs> Are you serious? You haven't got one! Oh, so I have to John, you're it. still going to get it right. Oh, God. I'm panicking now. Roy Hodgson's Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, Lucas. Lucas Lever. Lucas started yes. for Liverpool. Oh. John. oh, there it is. There's Rogers' black hole. Okay, let me go through these teams, right? So Newcastle, Tim Crawl in goal. Yep. Jose Enrique. Yep. Campbell Simpson and Matty Taylor. Yep. Kevin Nolan, Joey Barton, Gutierrez, Jake Diote, Andy Carroll up front, and Sammy Abiobi. It's a good team. That is a good team. And and Andy Carroll scored that goal that got him the move to Liverpool. You could have got yes. Andy Carroll. Come on, he played for yeah. both sides at that period. Um, yeah, that's a very good point. 2010. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool side, in goal, Pepe Reina. Yep. Glenn Johnson. Koncheski. I had Koncheski. Kirikos. Kirikos. Oh, yeah, the Greek guy with the ponytail. Yeah. Uh, Skirtle. Morelles. Lucas, Maxi, Maxi Rodriguez, Peter yeah. Crouch, Fernando Torres, Dirk Coit, and Ungog. Oh, David Ungog. Ungog. And guess but who no, replaced Ungog in that game? Babel. Ungog oh, and Babel. Right, Babel. So where where was Gerard and Stevie? Stevie Gerard and Carragher. weren't good enough to get in a Roy Hodgson side. What can you say? Mm. No wonder Roy Hodgson's not liked in Liverpool. Well, yeah, well that's did. that's actually a bit of an anti-climax because that means that end game's all over, doesn't it? Well, well I was looking forward to that one. Uh, yeah, Rog is one. I'm saying, oh, actually, so if I won that one, that puts me on 13 points. Oh, but that means I can't play next week. Yeah, I yeah, told you this last week. week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damn it. Well, at least I get the two points. <laughs> I like that you got ex- It brings yeah. me joy that you got excited then for a second, though, and then it's taken away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, has anyone got anything before we go? No, it's been great to be back in the sheds. And we will be back next week. Next week will be after the last game of the Premier League, so it'll be the last one of the season. And then the week after that, we'll do the Shed Awards, which is very exciting. And then the week after that, it all starts again because the Champions League and the Europa League, so it kind of never ends, which is very exciting. Um, but thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask questions or tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook. Or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Bye, everybody. Just, I, whoa, 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 whoa. Can I just tell you, you, you made a comment this week, John, about this week being the most boring week in football. On how, what, no, 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 wait, no, not the most, no. So it, the was, Monday, it was one night. Okay, one the night. Monday because, night when yeah, Everton, night Everton won one nil. There was a Newcastle Brighton nil nil and Crystal Palace lost to Wolves two yeah. nil. Right, so, yeah. so the game the, the game week that Newcastle won three one against Liverpool in two thousand ten. 
yeah. I tell you, this was not one that's going to live long on the Wikipedia search pages. Uh, Aston Villa versus West Brom, 2-1 Villa. Everton Wigan, 0-0. Fulham Sunderland, 0-0. The Newcastle game. Stoke lost to Blackpool, 1-0. West Ham, Man City, 3-1. What a shit week that was. Ugh. Glad we didn't have to talk about that one. No. Thanks, everybody. Blackpool were good that year, they weren't they? Can we talk about that? Oh, <laughs> 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 Stop talking, stop talking. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>